Love Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we break down the entire weekend from Pocono Raceway, also the Xfinity Series race from Iowa. Also, some little bit extracurricular activity for you. Uh, a kind of a surprising move to me. Jimmy Johnson has a new crew chief heading into Watkins Glen this week. We'll dive into that a little bit. Um, Cliff Daniels is in. Kevin Mendering is out after 21 races. Also, we'll discuss uh, Eldora coming up, as well as Watkins Glen for the Cup Series and Xfinity Series. Also, we'll talk about the doubleheader next year at Pocono, what, what we expect to see. So a busy show tonight. We'll get right to it here tonight on Talking in Circles. Anytime you want to discuss anything on our show tonight, just dial 917-889-8280, and you'll come in connection with us and talk some good old NASCAR racing. First, it was the Gander RV 400 from Pocono Raceway. Denny Hamlin's 34th career victory, it turned out to be, led 32 laps, a, a race that was pretty dominated by Joga's Racing. They had three, a top three um, in in Sunday's race. They finished in the top three with uh, Denny Hamlin, your winner. That was Eric Jones, Martin Trex Jr., William Byron in fourth, and Kyle Larson in the fifth spot. Um, some real interesting stuff there. You know, the race was, I think, really helped by the the kind of the caution there by Josh Balicki where he had some kind of issue where he stopped on a racetrack on a backstretch and created an interesting restart there where it almost looked like Kyle Larson was going to pull off and, and, and go to victory lane there, coming off a of turn one, got him to the outside wall, slowed his momentum down. He bounced back to the fifth position, and Hamlin was able to hold off his teammate Eric Jones for the victory uh, at Pocono Raceway. So a very interesting race, a uh, very interesting finish that resulted in Hamlin's victory um, and, and Joe Gibbs Racing taking the top three spots. A, a big day for them. Kyle Busch was, a, was a, one of the fastest cars all day. Um, strategy at Pocono is very interesting now because of these stages and how we uh, how the fuel mileage all plays out. So teams go on different strategies. Kyle got on a different strategy than everybody else, and it backfired. Adam Stevens, for the first time really since he's taken over as crew chief of this 18 car, he sort of – you know, made a mistake, and I think he admitted that he that he put Kyle in a position where um, he, he just lost too much track position, and he was never able to really regain it. And when he got that restart and got all uh, you know uh, bunched up there, Kyle was never really able to find his way back to the front again. Still finished ninth, not a terrible day for him, but certainly uh, with somebody who had the fastest car all day, a a race that I think Kyle Busch and Adam Stevens would like to have back. What were your thoughts? Uh, and again, RV 400, Philip from Pocono Raceway. I mean, it was uh, Joe Gibbs Racing benefit. It's become kind of a Joe Gibbs Racing uh, benefit type of track, in uh, especially post uh, 2015. I mean, Kyle Busch at one time was not very good at this racetrack, and now this has become one of his better racetracks. So he dominated that first stage, and it really wasn't uh, an issue. I don't blame Adam Stevens because at the end of the day, when you consider the fact that he has to be a, a, a psychiatrist and, and a therapist for the guy to keep him from losing his mind on somebody, if he has an off day once in a blue moon, what's the big deal? Um, yeah, sure. It's hard to win these races, of course, but you know, they're only six points out of the, the, uh, 
regular season points title. They gained ground on on Joey Logano, even or they only were actually no, they actually lost. Sorry. So even though even though they finished higher up and they had the stages and all that, they only uh, they lost three points. But it's a six point gap. Get, I mean, in the end, I, he's going to another great racetrack for him. I mean, at this point, is there such thing as a bad Kyle Busch racetrack? Um, Got to give uh, credit to Hamlin. The Chris Gabehart move has uh, really worked well for for that group. Uh, fifth win at Pocono. He's one of the best ever at that racetrack. First one since 2010. But yeah, So he needs those restarts. They really couldn't do anything. The PJ1 did help at times. It also helped that Josh Balicki's drive shaft came off. Uh, or else I think Kevin Harvick might have been the one that went to win that race there. Uh, they had a really fast race car. Just didn't really, they kind of got screwed up with the pit strategy as well. And because you can't pass really with these 550 cars after about three laps, which, I mean, that's the point of virtually every aero package they seem to figure out anymore in NASCAR. But uh, it became Hamlin and Jones, and Jones wanted that win, but instead gets another second place, solidifies himself in the uh, playoff uh, situation, while a lot of the people around him kind of tried or did implode. Uh, they gained a few points there, and, and they're on the better side of things. Give credit to Daniel Hemrick. Great run. They were up there all day. Uh, top 10 run for RCR at, at Pocono with Daniel Hemrick, which it's not a track that he's run a whole lot, of course. Uh, that's uh, yeah. positive signs for the future uh, for him and probably solidified uh, rookie of the year. Uh, that's uh, I mean, there's plenty of racing to go, I know, this season, but that's the kind of run that's going to be a rookie of the year type run uh, there for Daniel Hendrick and RCR. Yeah, he definitely had the run of the night, I think, or run of the day, I should say, uh, Daniel Hemrick. I also think the other guy to be really impressed with was Kyle Larson, Spencer. I mean, he was in a backup car after another practice accident that put him in, a, in the back in a backup car. And I think a lot of people thought, well, you know, if he gets out of a top ten, uh, out of it, he's going to do real good. And Philip talked, you know, this package isn't easy uh, to pass, and, and Larson was certainly passing people left and right. He ended up fifth. Hemrick, a seventh-place run. Those two drivers, Spencer, really stood out to me as as drivers who really had a strong day who really needed it. Yeah, I mean, going into the race, Larson said his car was slow, and it wasn't nowhere near as good as uh, his Loudon backup, so I mean, whatever the crew chief did and whatever adjustments they did obviously worked. Um, you know, you texted me and you're like, Larson's really fast, and he was, and he came through the field pretty quick. And um, and I texted you during the race. I just feel like if he was to get the lead, I think he was able to stay out in the lead, and I think you agreed with me. Um, and clean air is key. I don't care where you go. Clean air is um, what you want. Uh, that's why guys try to find a few different lanes and they don't really want to ride behind somebody because, you know, it makes your car so much better in clean air. So um, he wasn't able to get into the lead, and which is unfortunate, but he um, was still able to get fifth place, which is good. He needs that because he's been around this 13th, 14th, 15th in points and, um, you know, a few bad weeks and he could end out of the playoffs. So a uh, good week for him. Another good week for – or a solid weekend for Hemrick um, with his – sixth place or seventh place finish 
Um, six, seven place finish. Um, unfortunately, I don't really think that's going to do much for him. He's not going to make the playoffs unless he wins. And the way that organization has been running this year, qualified great. It just doesn't ever transition into the race. So, um, you know, it's good momentum to keep that team uh, moving good and good directions for the rest of the year. But unfortunately, I think their playoff hopes are over um, unless somehow they pull off a, a win. I mean, Alex Bowman pulled off a win and yet he's been running good this year. So um, you just never know who's going to win. You just all about finding good strategy and being up front when the time matters. So two good runs for them and Larson just needs to keep it going. And hopefully we can put, he, hopefully he can put the car in victory lane for his fans. Um, I'm itching for a win. That's for sure. Yeah, I tell you that um, that was a, I think a good step in the right direction. If you're you know somebody who's for Kyle Larson, uh, I just think it was a good step in the right direction. It was must have been refreshing to see all of a sudden you're you know 15th, you're 10th, and you know and you just move it up through the field nicely. And I think it was a, obviously a lot harder when you get to the top five, but still to have a top five car, a top three car, I think speed wise he was certainly a top three car, um, and you know especially. Earlier in that race, I think they kind of sort of maybe uh, had a little bit of an issue there handling-wise towards the end of the race. But either way, a great run for him. And, you know, I think Philip touched on it with, with Daniel Hemrick. This, that was a rookie of the year type run. That was a run you look, you're going to look back at and say that's when it's changed. You know, Hemrick had a really tough start to this year. When you look at his first eight races, it was a disaster. And we, I remember t- coming on this show after Bristol going, oh, my gosh, you know, another tough day for Daniel Hemrick. Um, and when is this, you know, and it just wasn't anything he was doing wrong. It was just, you know, you're getting a funk with the team. They had some bad luck. And, uh, finally, you know, I think that team has figured it out and got that chip right. And, and Henrik's really running good. And, and he was in the top five top, or he was in the top 10 all day long. Um, he really was strong and got, even got some stage points in that race. So, um, if that team can build on momentum, there's no doubt Spencer, he's not making the playoffs unless he pulls off a miracle win. But he's a very good road racer, so keep that in mind at Watkins Glen this week coming up. He's a good road racer, um, and we'll see if they can pull something together. Uh, and that's probably his most likely chance to, to advance into the playoffs, but um, certainly something he can build on. And I think uh, Daniel Hemrick had the run of the day at Pocono Raceway when you look at people who um, really had the run of the day. I think Jones had a great run too, guys. When we look at the top ten, uh, he really needed these. And, and I read an article on Front Stretch uh, at a couple of weeks ago, saying Eric Jones, you know, with 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 the um, with Christopher Bell swirling in the air and his future swirling in the air, I said, you know, these next ten races are Eric Jones' most important races of his career, you know, and that was right before Sonoma, eighth, seventh. Now Daytona was the outlier, twenty third, but that's Daytona. He got in a wreck that wasn't his fault. Third, third, and second since I wrote that article. He's really taken um, a step in the right direction. Three, uh, five top ten finishes in his last six races. Eric Jones is starting to figure it out here, and he could be dangerous getting to the playoffs. But uh, another solid day for Denny Hamlin. I think Hamlin, when you look at what he's done this year, um, he's, he's put himself in that, in that championship conversation. He really is. Um, and three wins for him, and, and this, I think, so far has been his best season in a long, long time. So, Hamlin's somebody to keep an eye on as well. As we go deeper through the field here, guys, uh, a few drivers jump out at you. Joey Logano, who I think expected a little bit better of a run, uh, 13th place finish for him. Um, you know, Ryan Blaney somehow ended up 10th. 
you know, he was having a terrible day all day, too. He was having a frustrating day. He ended up 10th. Chris Buescher, another solid day for him. I think that's 10 straight top 20 finishes for that 37 car, uh, 16th place run. They got off to uh, a, t- a tough start, too. He qualified 33rd, was almost a lap down early on in that race. But they worked on it and got that car a little bit better, and he finished 16th. Jimmy Johnson was 15th. And, um, you know, when you look at the points where Johnson is now, he's outside the playoffs. Um, and he's 17th in standings, and we'll jump right into it, guys. They made a crew chief change over there at Hendrick Motorsports this weekend. Uh, this week before Watkins Glen, they announced it yesterday uh, afternoon, and it is official that um, Cliff Daniels is going to take over as a crew chief of the number 48 Chevrolet for Jimmy Johnson. Kevin Mendering is out of 21 races. Where I originally saw this, guys, I was initially shocked because 21 races to me is like – a short amount of time, especially when you compare to the fact that he had he had Chad Canals for 17 seasons, and then all of a sudden he makes another change after 21 races. But what was your initial reaction, Spencer, when you saw this um, and, and saw that uh, Jimmy Johnson was having a new crew chief for Watkins Glen? Do you think it was something that was needed to be done? I mean, Jimmy is points-wise is the worst Hendrick Motorsport performing Hendrick Motorsports car. So, what were your thoughts? Um, yeah, I was working on it, actually, and my buddy sent me the article and uh, told me the news, but he has to make the playoffs, and, you know, they're, like you mentioned, they're on the outside looking in, and, you know, who knows, he could get with his uh, crew chief, and they could start clicking, and his crew chief can start doing stuff, and they could really get on a roll, and maybe win a race, you never know, um, you can't predict the future, um, so I wasn't too shocked, because they really haven't been running well. But yet again, I was shocked because even when Shaq and Alice was there his last year, they didn't run well either. So I don't really think it's a crew chief aspect. Yes, the crew chief has a lot to do with it. I just think it's the team in general. They're still not where they need to be. Um, but you got to do what you got to do to make the playoffs. You know, this is what you're in this sport for. You're in the sport to compete for a championship. And at this rate, he's not even going to make the playoffs. And without being in the playoffs, you can't go win the title at the end at Homestead, Miami. So, um you never know. Like I said, they can start flicking. It could go well for him, and whatever Kevin Mendering's doing, I know he's going to do something over there. Um, I just forget the position he was doing. But uh, you just you just got to make changes sometimes, and, you know, small changes, big changes, uh, anything can help. Yeah, and, and you brought up a good point, Spencer, about the fact that uh, he hasn't been that bad to me. And listen, when you look at his season and when you look at, at the runs he's had, here's my argument. To this and and I and I thought I think personally and I will get to my reasoning why I really think they made this move. Um, I think when you look at his season, the two races that really stick out to you as far as um, races where Jimmy struggled was Kentucky and Loudon. Both had a really Kevin Mendering's control. Thirty back to back thirtieth place finishes brought him from fourteenth to seventeenth in the standings, and I personally think. If Jimmy Johnson is 15th in the standings, uh, 14th in the standings even, yeah, he's had a bad year, but they would sit there and go, well, we're in the playoffs, we're we're good. But now they're outside the playoffs, so I think it sort of got them wondering, okay, we've got to make this playoffs allies here. What do we have to do? Uh, Now I'm thinking, okay, why would they make this move? Here's what I think, and – Maybe I'm wrong by – maybe I'm contradicting myself by saying if he's 15th in the standings, they don't make this move. But I think this would move 
was strictly made to get Jimmy Johnson a shot at number eight. Now, his contract with Hendrick Motorsports runs up after the 2020 season. And there's no doubt he's not going anywhere. He's won seven championships, 83 races. He's not going anywhere. Now, you can argue and, – and here's my thing. This team is – Hendrick Motorsports as a whole struggled. Jimmy Johnson has the most top ten finishes for any, any Hendrick Motorsports driver this season. That includes Bowman, Chase Elliott, uh, and William Byron. So it's not like it's been a complete disaster this year. Um, but I think they look at it and say, we weren't winning number eight this year with Kevin Mendering. Now we bring in a crew chief with Cliff Daniels, and we're going to try and make a ch- chance at it at number eight. That's what I really think it was. I think they look at it and say, we want to do everything we possibly can to get our eighth championship. But, Philip, here's the, here's the boat they put Cliff Daniels in. There's 16 races to go in the season. I believe we got 16 ra- 15 races to go in the season. If you, you know, five until the playoffs, and then you got the 10 playoff races. If he struggles in these 15 races, is it totally inconceivable to, to suggest that Cliff Daniels' life as, as Jimmy Johnson's crew chief is only going to last 15 races? I mean, they just fired Kevin Mendering after 21 races. What are your thoughts on this whole situation, Philip? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it yesterday. We got into a spirited conversation thinking we were going to do the show yesterday. And, I mean, when it comes to Johnson and the way he's performed for as great as he is and the statistics and all that, he generally hasn't been relevant uh, since early, middle 2017. And to be completely frank, uh, he backed into his seventh championship in large part because of uh, Carl Edwards and and Joey Logano wrecking each other at Homestead. And uh, he kind of just sat there and let everybody else screw themselves over. And he went and got himself number seven there at Homestead. Uh, The Jimmy Johnson of winning eight, nine, 10, however many races a year, that hasn't been the case for a while. Uh, He has definitely not, perform to the level that we generally would expect for what he has done previously in his career. He's getting while the top tens equal out in terms of uh, everybody else are all kind of getting the same amount of top tens, uh, three top five finishes in 21 races. I mean, you can say, well, you have Bush Logano and, and, and Hart Hamlin getting a lot of those top five finishes. Sure. Great but and there's only a few drivers that are really contenders. But Jimmy Johnson really isn't there. There's been very few times this year where Jimmy Johnson's actually been a contender, and that's been an issue for a long time. Do I think Cliff Daniels is the magic, you know, potion from all they're seeing, all the PR and all they talk about for the last two days on the shows on, on uh, both NASCAR channels that they have? They're talking about how this guy has a – energy about him. He kind of has this way about how he carries himself, this Cliff Daniels, and that, you know, I think he might be providing, he might provide more of a spark and he might be able to hold Jimmy Johnson more accountable, which is similar to what Chad was. So in that sense, hey, you know, I, I, the point is when you consider the amount of, you know, generally mediocre crew chiefs that they've had, that they're working in the engineering department, all they have there at Andrew Motorsports, they had a laundry list of people they could have hired. So the fact they got a 31-year-old guy 
who's never been a crew chief anywhere. You have you have Xfinity crew chiefs that aren't competing for anything because none of the, the Xfinity teams are doing anything of great value either at Junior Motorsports. You could have called any of those guys up outside of, uh, I guess, Jason Burdett. You could have called any of the other guys up, and you could have probably called one of them over to run for Jimmy Johnson. But I yeah. think in the end they'll they'll figure out a way to back into the playoffs. They'll be one round and done. And then they'll be able to quietly, you know, figure out what they're going to do for 2020, uh, which I think will probably be Jimmy Johnson's last year. And they'll probably quietly talk about that and they'll bring it up and they'll build it up and he'll have his little retirement tour. And I think it's as much to go and save face for Jimmy in that he isn't the same guy that he used to be. His priorities have changed and the money is starting to run out too. And uh, all these things are coming. All these things are coming to roost. I mean, there's a news story that came out uh, today, just an hour or so ago. Uh, I think Nate Ryan or or um, Dustin Long uh, wrote it about Tyler Reddick, and we talked about Tyler Reddick. And I'm like, and Richard Childress is afraid he's going to lose Tyler Reddick if he doesn't give him a cup ride. Well, if I was Rick Hendrick and you had Tyler Reddick last year and he won you an Xfinity championship and he might be readily available. I'd be going and seeing what his availability might be to go and, and possibly kind of put him on hold and give him X amount of races next year in whatever, whoever they'd run it with or whatever kind of car or whatever team. And then, you know, make us make a, a, a pass it on, pass the baton to, to, to Tyler Reddick and go and renumber that car to 25 or five or whatever. So it gives him his own identity, but you know, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. I think he's going to make the playoffs anyways. Can you win? This is the thing. There's 31 cars that have run every race this year. They're 17th out of 31. They're terrible. And everybody that's basically passed and everything that's passed probably. And when you consider the Hendrick guys outside of the Hendrick guys, and maybe a little bit like outside of getting past about 12, you're not really that good. You, you, you really have to reevaluate what's, what's going on with your team. If you can't even be in, in that, in, in that conversation past one round, you're not really that good. So, I mean, it's not really, that uh, I agree. Well, here's the thing. I always can compare drivers and teams to their teammates, you know, for example, I'll sit there and I'll go, okay, you know, Eric Jones, for example, early in the year when he was 18th in points, I'm looking at it going, he better pick it up here soon because his teammates, Hamlin looks really good this year. Uh, Kyle Busch is good every year, but he looks extremely well this year, and Truex has run really good this year. So what's what's missing at Eric Jones' team? Is it the drop? You start to get that, is it, is it, do they need a crew chief change kind of thing? Um Hendrick Motorsports, and I know all three of the other drivers, Bowman won at Chicago. I understand that. And and Chase won at Talladega, so he's locked in. And, and Byron's probably going to point his way in. I get that. So, Jimmy, when you look at it from the outsider's perspective, you sit there and go, well, he's the worst Hendrick Motorsports driver in points. But he's not that far off from the other Hendrick Motorsports cars. I think Hendrick Motorsports as a whole has struggled this year. Um, I think they're a little bit better than where they were last year, but I still think they have struggled. Now, the whole – and when I mean a little bit better, I mean the whole organization. Chase Elliott 
won three races last year, beginning at Watkins Glen, if you remember, he won his first race at Watkins Glen a year ago. Um, and he really picked it up, and he was really the only Hendrick car we saw last year perform the way we're used to seeing the Hendrick Motorsports team perform. If you remember, there were teams out, people out there saying, oh, I think Chase Elliott can make a run for this championship uh, at the end, when he won Dover. And you're like, well, I don't know about that, you know. But any, what I'm trying to get at is he's not that far off from his teammates. So I guess that's what surprised me a little bit was you sit there and you go, I would almost think they would sit there and go, we trust Mendering, we know what he's doing, but we're just a little bit off. It's been bad luck because we're out of the playoffs. If we figure out these next five races, we'll be in good shape. But, you know, you talked about the spark, Philip, about Rick Hendrick saying and, and Jimmy Johnson saying that Cliff Daniels bought brought this quote-unquote spark, this confidence through the team. Um, and maybe that is – maybe I'm looking at it too, too much. Maybe I'm looking at it from a completely different perspective, and that's what Hendrick, Rick Hendrick and Jimmy Johnson saw. They said, you know what, that's the kind of we want to bring into our race team. But I feel almost like Kevin Mendering got sort of the short end of the stick here, and he sort of got the blame for a seven-time champion not running good. And and that's where I have a problem with it. It's, it's not that – to me, that Kevin Mendering's bad crew chief. It's more of Hendrick Motorsports is just a little bit off. Now, that's what made me think, well, they're not going to win a championship this year with Kevin Mendering. I think they, there was no doubt about that, so maybe they're just trying to throw something at the wall, throw the kitchen sink at it, and say, hey, let's see if we can't win this championship with Cliff Daniels as our crew chief. Um, you know, and, and I think all of us are in agreement. I don't want to put more Spencer's mouth, but I know from what you were saying yesterday, Philip, and certainly what I was saying, you know, I think it's a heck of a lot more than just a crew chief that would make that 48 team um, be successful. Now, listen, and I got on Dale Jr. for this, and I'm sorry, but Jimmy Johnson in Colorado it seems like every week. And maybe it's a it's a this is a new Cliff Daniels might be a way for like if you remember when when Dale Earnhardt Jr. was in the 88 car and was struggling badly. I mean, they were 25th and 21st in points. He didn't do a whole lot in that car, and if he had another bad year. They would have probably had to make a change over there. They brought in Steve Latart, and what Latart did in, in Latart's resume, he, he didn't have a whole ton of success with Jeff Gordon. He was good, but he wasn't great. But when he got to Dale Jr., it changed Dale Jr. immensely. It was like a, a light switch, and really he just sort of grabbed him and kicked him in the ass and was like, hey, let's get going here. You know, And Jr. was like, oh, like this is, real, this is serious business. Let's get racing here. And he was like, oh, wow. And Steve sort of brought in a serious and a more focused Dale Earnhardt Jr., and it paid off for him. It really paid off for him. Jr. would go out, and, and, and he talked talk about this in an ESPN article years ago. He would go out and, and, and party and you know race the next day. And you're like, you know, what, what's wrong with this guy? So Latart sort of curtailed that and fixed that. And maybe Cliff Daniels, to a different extent, I mean, I don't think Junior, or Jimmy Johnson's doing what Dale Jr. did, but Maybe to a little bit of different to, – to sort of light that fire to Jimmy Johnson and say, and, and say, hey, let's go. Maybe that's what Jimmy Johnson and Rick Hendrick saw here. Um, but to me, it was just an awful lot of blame on a crew chief that, to me, didn't deserve it because I don't think he's had that bad of a year compared to his teammates. I just don't. You know, um, the 30th at Kentucky and the 30th at Loudoun are really why he's outside the playoffs yeah. here. Um, and, and I just I, – that's, that's the way I view it with Kevin Mendering. Um, final thoughts, guys, on Pocono. Spencer, I'll go with you. Final thoughts on Pocono and, and the uh, Kevin Mendering situation. 
Yeah, I mean, I pretty much said all I had to say about the crew chief thing. But, you know, Pocono, um, it was a decent race. Um, you know, I'm just glad one guy just didn't get out and lead the whole thing. I know, like, it was a Toyota guy, uh, Toyota show, basically. And I picked Jones to win, and I was hoping he would win. And he had a good run, uh, another good run for him, and that's what they need for the playoffs. Um, you just make the playoffs, honestly. Just be consistent. And I know he wants to win bad, but just be consistent, make the playoffs, and then make your run there. Um other than that, you know, some guys had bad runs, some guys had good runs, and, you know, everybody will move on to uh, Watkins Glen. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I like road course racing, so I'm excited for that race, and um, we'll just see um, where everything is after that race. And my final thought on this, Philip, before I turn it over to you, and I, actually it's a question for you. Do you think uh, Canals' success in this whole season. Now, I think we all kind of sat there and saw Canals and Jimmy Johnson split up a little bit. Um, we all kind of said, well, who's going to be the guy? Because Jimmy's got, been knocked in his career. Well, it's been all Chad Canals, and I know I kind of got on you yesterday about that, because I don't entirely agree with that, and, he, and I don't think this year even proves that, because Jimmy's, to me, um, a 43-year-old driver, not a 34-year-old driver. Um, but do you think that maybe Jimmy... And, and even Rick Hendrick look at it and say, well, Chad Canales had a lot of success with William Byron, especially lately. Um, maybe we need to make a crew chief change. Do you think that had anything to do with it, or am I looking too much into that? I mean, it's the, the reality is the way that William Byron looked last year, he looked like he didn't really have business being in a cup car. And when you consider the way rookies are measured anymore, I mean, I know that for both you and I, and even for Spencer, we weren't really aware of when Davey came along and, and he won two races and finished, I think, 12th in points or whatever he did in 87. But we were generally around when Tony went and won three races, finished fourth in points. And then Jimmy went and followed that a few years later, won three races, finished fifth in points, I believe, or something like that. So that's where rookies are measured now which is why a lot of these young guys get sent through the, you know, the proverbial, like put on the frying pan and they don't, they don't last. It almost happened to Joey Logano. Um, when it comes to Jimmy Johnson and you consider Chad Canals and that Dave, he's been able to kind of make William Byron relevant. That's a big deal. Uh, when you consider that the nine has generally been inconsistent the whole entire year, they really haven't done anything of great value in a few months, to be completely honest. The best car in that whole entire fleet is the 88. And even they've hit a rough patch recently because generally I don't even get that relationship, and we've discussed that in previous episodes. But I think it's Jimmy's call. Everyone, the way everything's looking – Jimmy's out in the front going in PR or handling this. Like he's like, it's like he, he went Michael Jordan. He went LeBron James. He went because he's like, I'm the guy. I made the call. I want my coach. That's basically what he did. So I don't know if it was, I mean, if, if Hendrick called it, whatever, I don't know. I think Jimmy decided he liked this guy. He likes what he brings to the table and he made the call and he went to Jeffy and he went to Rick, and he said, I want this guy as my crew chief. I don't have an issue with Kevin Mendering. I don't think he's a bad guy, but I don't think he's the right fit for what we need right now. So with that, 
good on him. We'll see what happens. If he goes win a walk, wins a Watkins win, will anybody, it'll be all great, whatever, it'll be his first win a Watkins win and all this stuff. Win number 84, he'll play Durrell. We'll get to hear about how great Durrell is for another week because he wants to talk about himself. And then nobody will be worried about the fact that Jimmy hasn't won in almost two, in over two years. Uh, the other yeah. thing I want to mention that we didn't discuss was the whole how Ricky Stenhouse is trying to build a, a to trying to build a, a handicap match for the AEW because he's running into about half the field and having issues with people and now he's having issues with Kurt Busch um, and in a different light and in a different time I think Kurt Busch would have went and fought Ricky Stenhouse but in today's day and age. I think uh, Kurt Busch is very happy with his current life, and uh, he's going to be in the chase, and Ricky Stenhouse isn't, so he's going to handle it that way. But I think that was the most interesting thing that really came. That and the fact that William Byron cursed out uh, Chad Canals, which is funny we were talking about it, but, yeah. and one radio sweetheart, but then that's all other thing. Yeah, uh, with Stenhouse, you know, it's it's interesting because I, I, I secretly, secretively – like Stenhouse, I think he he's got some talent. I think he's a good driver. I, I don't know if the struggles on that 17 car are totally him. I think that organization uh, has struggled, but maybe that's part of it. Is is you know he's got a new teammate this year who's going out there and doing really well, especially lately. And the pressure might be on Stenhouse, who was always sort of the breadwinner, especially lately with Charvain in that six car. Uh, he was always sort of the, the you know holding the flag for Rush Fenway Racing. And now all of a sudden he's got this teammate and, and a crew chief that comes in there, and they're really kicking his butt over there and sitting the same stuff. And uh, as much as Ryan Newman's helped that organization, I think he's helped Senhouse. He, he was caught he was their car. Senhouse has had some rough luck this year, but um, he's also created his own issues. And I felt like what he did at Pocono was just not very bright. Um, you know, you, you're, you're really barking up the wrong tree, barking up Kurt Busch's tree there. Uh, so I didn't really understand that one, especially because I didn't think it was Kurt Busch's fault. It just, and maybe it was frustration blown out uh, for Stenhouse because you know he's sort of gotten taken out the last couple of weeks. Loud, and he had a, he had a bad weekend too there where somebody took him out. But um, I didn't really understand his whole wrecking uh, Kurt Busch thing. And, and the thing that really broke, really upset me was he also, you know, Michael McDowell was collateral damage because of that whole thing. And, and McDowell, uh, who wasn't having a great day, I'm not going to lie, but, you know, he certainly didn't deserve the wreck. Um, and uh, he probably could would have definitely gotten a better finish than where he ended up because of Stenhouse uh, wrecking Kurt Busch. So, and he, and he, he didn't do anything wrong, and that's what always happens when, when that kind of stuff happens is somebody always gets taken out when it's really not their fault. 917-889-8280. Well, I'll discuss quick, guys. Um, well, quick, we can dive into this. The doubleheader weekend at Pocono. Uh, that was big news over the weekend. I know it's been sort of buried here with with the news. You know, I know we got Aldor coming up on Thursday, um, but it's so, been sort of buried here a little bit. But it, I think the three games. But what makes this interesting is the first time I were doing it in NASCAR, and that a lot of the details were released this weekend. Uh, we're going to have a, a truck series race and a cup series race on Saturday, and then an Xfinity series race and a cup series race on Sunday. Um, the thing that got, I think, the most um, – I, the most talked about was they're going to take the finishing order from uh, race one, the cup race of race one, and invert it. And all the lead lap cars are going to be inverted, and that's going to be your starting order for race two on Sunday. Um, so really, if, if 
you know, you are the last car finishing on the lead lap in 25th, you're going to start first in that race on Sunday. And if you started, if you won the race, you're going to end up 25th because that was the last car on the lead lap. And the cars 26th through 30th through however many cars we have uh, through 40 will start in their positions where they finish. And if you wrecked in race race one, they'll let you bring out a backup where you got to start at the rear of the field. Um, so, and they're going to use the same cars for race one and race two. Spencer, I want your take on this because, again, you know, Philip and I sort of come from the same era where we come from a an old-school background. I think we sort of have a lot of the same views as far as, um, you know, how we view certain situations. But for new fans, and that's what I love about you adding to this, to this show, is you bring the new fan perspective. Do you think that's a big deal, that inversion thing? A lot of people called it gimmicky, said it, it, it's bush league racing, it's ridiculous. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the inversion um, and, and really the whole doubleheader weekend from Pocono in 2020? I think it's a little weird having two races in the same weekend at the same track, but you know what? Um, sometimes you just got to mix it up a little and I've come to be somewhat of a believer about change. You know, you don't want to do the same thing over and over and, you know, why they did it, I don't know. You know, they do the call. But, you know, as a race fan, we're going to have to deal with it and just watch both races. And if you're a NASCAR fan, you really shouldn't care anyways. You know, it's racing. Um, and if you love racing, you don't care where they're at. You know, they can race up and down your street, and they're racing. That's what you want to watch. Um, but reversing the field, whatever you want to call it, I mean, there's no re- sense of lining them up the same way. It mixes the field up a little bit. Um, I mean, why not? Why Why does the leader have the right, you know what I'm saying, to start up front again? Put him in the back and see if he can go work his way back through the field. It mixes things up a little bit. You know, see if the guy from the first race is really that good to run back up through the field. And, um, yeah, so I don't see a problem with it. Even me being a new fan, you know, have at it. You know, line him up whatever you want, but I don't see a problem with it. You know, um, you don't want to have the same lineup both races. Um so, yeah, I mean, go for it. It's um, it's not really a big deal to me. Yeah, listen, I, it's funny because um, I this is something I would usually go crazy about. And I wasn't going crazy about it because I sat there and thought about it on Saturday when I read it. And I said, well, they're having a race on Saturday. On Saturday and if they take the qualifying, if they take the order, finishing order from Saturday, and that's how they start on Sunday, it's going to be a, an extremely – extremely boring race because there's really not a whole lot you can do to your race cars anymore. And that's part of the gripe. We can go on all day about what the problem is with NASCAR, but that's, I think, a major problem is, you know, um, it doesn't really – I don't think the, the, the conditions are going to change all that much from one day to another. Uh, and so they had to do something, I think, to sort of create a little bit of interest, create a little bit of passing, and, that, and that's what they're going to do. Um Philip, there was a, a buddy of mine who I talk to all the time on, on Facebook and, and, uh, and through other mediums. I discussed with him at length, and I was, I was hard on him. You know, He came at me, and he was like, oh, this is ridiculous. And I said, of all the things, all the crazy things NASCAR has done over the last 15, 20 years, really the last 15, 10 years, 10, 15 years, this is the thing you're going crazy about. Um, what, what were your thoughts on it? Do you think it, it's, it's wrong? I mean, keep in mind, and this was, and this was something else I said to him too, you know, that's a busy two days at Pocono Raceway, uh, and you would have to – they'd have to qualify on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock 
uh, early Sunday morning because the Xfinity Series teams have to qualify Sunday morning and then run their race and then the cup races after that. So if you wanted them to qualify like we normally do and sort of bring us a second race, like a, like a completely different second race, you'd have to qualify early, then go through inspection and all that kind of stuff. Um, what are your thoughts on, on this whole situation? I think it was sort of a uh, – I'm okay with it because I think it, it, it's really the, the only option I think they had. What are your thoughts? Yeah, when you consider how condensed everything is and with understanding where, you know, we understand how the weather could become a major uh, problem. I mean, I there was one year, uh, two or three years ago, and I think every single race was affected by rain. People assumed that it always rains at Pocono. It's the yes. The, the fact is, outside of that one year, there's always been generally good weather, but I just have this fear that weather is going to play a big role, um, which makes the fact that they're going to do this invert uh, perfectly fine to me. At the end of the day, I'm curious, because if you put a Kyle Bush to 25th, will he be able to get up there on merit. I and the reality is it's a three hundred fifty mile more than that's a three hundred fifty mile race on Sunday. Uh the first race is probably also gonna be three hundred fifty miles from all of from what everybody has seemed to be writing. What I don't get is why they're running two hundred mile truck and Xfinity races when frankly I mean I guess the Xfinity race has been two hundred miles but the truck race has been hundred fifty or hundred twenty five. Um, before, so I don't get why they're increasing it to 200, especially after what happened on Saturday and Friday, for that matter. There's no reason to be having 200-mile truck, ARCA, I would even venture to say Xfinity races. It would shorten the time. It would narrow the amount of time of that race, which would also get it, make it fit in there. Having the inverts fine. I, I made a post on the one page, um, on, I'm like, you know, it'll, it might be the time that, you know, I know you're front row motorsports and we might actually see front row motorsports on the front row. It might finally be the day. We might have a David Reagan, Michael McDowell front row uh, uh, next June uh, because they finished 26th and 27th in uh, the first race on, on Saturday. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll have whoever the random Reddit person is that gets the 32 ride and and landing castle. I that that for that alone it might be worth watching you finishes in the back of the lead lap next in, in next year's first right. race. That'll be more intriguing than who's up front because more than likely it's gonna be a Gibbs car anyways. So it doesn't really matter. Let's go and watch who's running twenty seventh. I've never been more compelled to watch who's running twenty seventh in the NASCAR Cup race than I'll probably be that day, and I'll probably be there too. So it'll work. Hey, the only way David Reagan starts up front is he keeps away from Paul Menard after what happened on Sunday. Well, yeah, but, those two uh, guys wrecking each other is a big issue. <laughs> but it's just been a disastrous year for him. But anyway, uh, yeah, you, you bring up a good point as far as you know, front, front row motorsports starting on a front row. Let's say hypothetically that happened. Listen, and this is what my argument was. You know, those guys, the teams that are starting up front, um, they're going to – if, if it's front row motorsports, they're going to go to the rear quick, pretty quick. 
we always sort of see them go to the rear pretty quick now. Usually when they're up front on restarts like that, they're on either older tires or they did some kind of crazy strategy to get up there. So it's a little bit different than what we're going to see uh, on, on that Sunday race. But still, I don't have that big of a problem with it. Let, let them go out and race it. I mean, and, um, you know, again, I just think if, if you wanted them to – and that's sort of the thing they've done now is they've sort of tied these two races and brought a little bit of interest – from Saturday into Sunday, where they could have completely played it like two completely different races. Well, Saturday's over. We're going to start fresh on Sunday, but it was a condensed schedule. I think as far as inspection was, because that was a big thing. You know, they inspect these cars. It takes forever, it seems like, sometimes. And now they're going to sort of – it's going to be an impound race where you kind of got what you got on from Sunday on Saturday. So, um, you know, to me, it, it, it's sort of the best thing they could have done uh, and I don't have that big of a problem with it. And I'm, I was shocked because, you know, I think a lot of people were sort of shocked by my reaction with that because I'm an old old school fan who doesn't like any really any gimmicks, and I just wanted the race. But uh, I just think when you look at it from the outsider's perspective, uh, you know, do you want them to really qualify? It's weird because they're going to bring one car there. So it's a really – do you want them to bring two? Like I, I, the people who, who don't like this, it's just – there's so many things that you have to consider. For example, one car for the entire weekend. You know, let's say hypothetically, okay, NASCAR decided, well, we're going to qualify for both races the normal way we do it. We're going to qualify for the Saturday race on Friday, and we're going to qualify for the Sunday race on Saturday. What are we going to do after the after the race? We're going to qualify for a race on Sunday before a race on Saturday, and use the same cars. It just it's kind of would have been dopey doing that. Now, the only way I, I think you could have sat would have done it, which would have made a little bit of sense, was qualifying Saturday, run on like the, what we see with spinning in trucks all the time, um, qualifying the same day you race. But again, that's a lot of inspecting. That's a lot of crazy stuff to do that. And uh, I just think this was the best way to make it as, run as smooth as possible um, and and give the fans the best interest in the race. So, um, listen, it was a it was a race where you look at it and you say it was a weekend where I think next year it's going to be very interesting. Listen, I'm probably going to go to both of them. I'm not going to lie. I live close to Pocono. We'll see what, what my plans are. I can't even plan what I'm going to do a day from now. So planning a year from now. Yeah, got to let me know on that too. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's intriguing for sure because I, I definitely want to see um, how it's all going to play out and, and if it's going to be interesting or not. And, and, uh, you know, this could be the future, guys. This could be something we see NASCAR go to um, more and more, more races on, on the same day. So, you know, who knows how that all plays out. But uh, it's going to be very interesting. 917-889-8280, Talking in Circles. Clayton Cole, Philip Matthew here with you tonight on Talking in Circles. Um, you know, the points in the Cup Series haven't, haven't changed all that much. You know, we still kind of look at it. And uh, when you look at, at, at the points and, and the cutoff, uh, it's still sort of the same. Jimmy Johnson's out. I think that's really the big storyline behind that. Um, so we'll move to the uh, Xfinity Series race from over the weekend. NASCAR Xfinity Series racing from uh, Iowa Speedway. It was Chase Briscoe getting his first career Xfinity Series victory in a Second. Stuart Haas car. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, second oh, win in a Stuart Haas car. Actually, second win in a Stuart Haas car. His second win, you're right. He won last year too. 
in a part-time uh, race, and he won a road roll at Charlotte, if you remember, last year. So second career win for him, but really the first oval win and the first win of his full-time career uh, in, the, in the Xfinity Series. And, and this is not really – listen, early on I kind of felt scratched my head about it because uh, I think he's got a lot of talent. He won outdoor last year. He's going to run it again on Thursday in the truck, defend his title there. I think he's got a ton of skill. But early in the year, I felt like this 98 team was sort of eh. But they really, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's because they've, they've had the notes from, uh, from Cole Custer and, and Mike Shipper and those guys over there, they've really figured it out here of late and really run, I think, a lot better and put them into a lot better situations. And Briscoe capitalized on it, a late race run there to pull off and win uh, the Xfinity Series race at Iowa. Christopher Bell was second. A nice run for John Hunter-Nemechek, who's been had a tough year there in the Xfinity Series. Third place run for him. Then it was Noah Gregson, Tyler Reddick, Justin Allgaier, Shane Lee. Uh, seventh place run for his team. Nice job by those guys. And then uh, Justin Haley, Zane Smith, and Michael Annette rounded out the top ten for the Xfinity Series race at Iowa. Spencer, what were your thoughts on the race at Iowa for the NASCAR Xfinity Series? Oh, I was happy to see Briscoe take it from Bell. I mean, you know, like Philip said, Bell, he had the best car. I mean, it obviously showed he led 250, 34 laps. And, um, you know, he's he's like the Kyle Busch of the Xfinity Series. You expect him to run up front uh, week in and week out. And this, the equipment is so good. And, I mean, Bell has such so much raw talent. He's honestly like a Larson. He's going to win in anything he gets in, I feel like. And, um, you know, all the rumors about him and going into Cup. But, you know, what can you do? He led the whole race. Um, it kind of sucks seeing a guy lead the whole race. And I think any guy would say that. You don't want to see the same guy up front leading the whole race unless it's side-by-side battling and it's a little beating and banging. Um, I enjoyed the finish. I thought the finish where Sieg was fourth and you had Briscoe and I think John Hunter was right there and they were all lined up. And then uh, Briscoe and Bell kind of took off from them and then it was uh, Briscoe to win the race. So cool to see a different winner instead of the big three. Um, who knows, this could give them momentum and they could go off and win a few more and they, he could add his name and, and make it the big four. Um, so um, cool for Stuart Haas and that whole organization. Um, I think he's going to be a threat in the playoffs. I don't know. I'm not saying he's going to go out and win it, but I think he could give them a pretty good run for the money. Um, other than that, it was an okay race. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Briscoe does the rest of the year because, Philip, we've, we've talked about it at nauseum, the big three in the Xfinity Series, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, and Cole Custer. Uh, and really the question has been who's going to be the fourth driver to sort of throw their name into the hat. And I think uh, me personally, and I don't know what you guys really thought, but I always thought Allgaier was going to be the guy to do that because he's a veteran. He's a really good driver. Junior Motorsports will eventually figure it out. But he hasn't yet to do that. Is Chase Briscoe in your eyes, Philip, the, the driver that sort of put his name into the ring, say, hey, guys, don't forget about me. Sort of the Tyler Reddick of last year where Tyler Reddick was sort of on the outside, got into the got in the homestead and won a championship, and people were like, well, I didn't expect him to win a championship. Uh, is, does Chase Briscoe, has he sort of thrown his hat into this ring here, or, or does he still have some work to do? What are your thoughts? I mean, my bias, uh, my personal bias aside, the fact of the matter is Chase said it in victory lane. They haven't performed as well as they wanted to this year. Uh, they've had, <clears throat> you know, they haven't been to the level of uh, Cole Custer and 
that team and when you consider Shiplet, that addition to Cole Custer has taken him to another level. Uh, Chase Briscoe, of course, last year was splitting his time between two Xfinity cars, running a GT4 Mustang, running other races. He won Eldora. He's going to try to defend it on Thursday. But now he's in a steady ride. And the last time he was really in a steady ride was the Arca Series, and he destroyed in a Cunningham Motorsports Ford. Uh, the reality is Chase Briscoe needed a win to kind of get that monkey off his back and kind of get himself in that good state of mind uh, because he has been able to perform once he's once he knows he's comfortable and once he starts getting things going, once he feels it. Uh, Chase Briscoe is a real problem, and, and and it's okay. Right now, when you consider what the points are in the Xfinity Series, there's really about probably six guys that could win this championship, and Chase Briscoe is one of those six guys. Uh, it's the big three, Chase Briscoe, and or actually, you know what, I am looking at it, it's five and he's one of them, uh, and it's just an all-guy. Outside of that, the, there's really none of those guys are really going to win a championship. I don't buy that they can. There really shouldn't be 12 cars making the playoffs because there aren't really 12 good drivers. You can make an argument. There's really not even eight good drivers. There's, there's only enough to have eight in the truck, I mean the Xfinity series, but Chase Briscoe is a part of that, and he has generally been that the whole year. Um him winning on Saturday, good strategy by Richard Boswell and that whole crew. They screwed up on pit road, but it all kind of worked out because they started running and wrecking and doing stupid stuff. And I mean, he had to beat Chris Bell for that win after Chris Bell opened a can on everybody. And uh, he did it, got himself that win. And I think that momentum is going to lead him to a good place, uh, possibly the final four. But I think it'll be him and Allgaier trying to get that last spot uh, in the final four because I really don't see how any of those big three miss Homestead based on what's gone on so far this season, what I assume is going to continue going on uh, once the playoffs come along because I don't think these guys are going to take as many risks once they get to the playoffs, which will mean they'll finish races, which will mean they'll finish up front. So, Yeah, it's, I agree with you there. Uh, we'll move to the NASCAR Xfinity Series Pocono Race, or excuse me, NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series. We just got done with the Xfinity Series. Now, from Pocono Raceway, they ran uh, the Gander RV 150 at Pocono. Another dominating win by Ross Chastain, led 54 of the races, uh, 60 laps. The only other driver to lead during the race was Harrison Burton, um, and he led six laps. Chastain dominated. Tyler Ankrum finished second. Another good weekend for him. He's really starting to come on and make people scratch their head and go and making you watch him. You know, you're sitting there going, hey, this kid can really figure it out, and he's starting to put it all together. So a nice job by Ankrum as well. Third place was Harrison Burton, a good, a decent run for him in the Morton Buildings. Then it was Kristen Eckes who won the Arca race on Friday. He finished fourth. Brett Moffat fifth. Matt Crafton was sixth. Todd Gilliland seventh. Johnny Sauter, Ben Rhodes, and Grant Enfinger. Uh, rounded out the top ten there for Thor Sport Racing. All three of those drivers um, rounded out the top ten for Thor Sport Racing. So 
Uh, a, another day, Spencer Ware, Russ Chastain dominated. He got the throw and, and uh, you know, destroy another watermelon victory lane. And this time he had the big watermelon he couldn't put in his truck. Uh, man, he is right now the clear-cut favorite to win this championship. Ankrum's done a really good job the last couple of weeks. But, man, Chastain, another good weekend, Spencer, for him in Pocono. Yeah, and, these, and that whole bunch just keep bringing good trucks uh, to the racetrack. And, you know, I guess where we thought we're not sure if they're bringing their best stuff to the racetrack, I'm pretty sure they're bringing their best stuff best stuff to the racetrack, and they're just going to keep doing it. Um, and I really think it's their championship to lose. Um, but you never know. Uh, anything could happen in the playoffs, you know. I mean, he's been close to wrecking because he's so aggressive, and he could end up in the wall one weekend, and I'm not trying to jinx him or say But, you know, that's that's racing. Um so, like I said, it's his championship to lose. And, you know, for this, it's just a fun story and so cool to watch, you know, with him bringing agriculture into the sport. That's bringing new sponsors and agriculture into the sport. And, you know, NASCAR always needs new sponsors and it mixes things up a bit. And um, just the whole watermelon deal, smashing watermelons, I mean, it's fun. And for anybody to say they don't like it, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan, you know, I mean, I think all three of us on this show are fans. I mean, it's different. He's smashing watermelons. He's having a good time doing it putting on a good show for the fans of the smaller team and they're kicking the butt they're kicking butt um against these big teams and um it's just a cool story and if he can win the championship it's going to be pretty neat and he's going to have a lot of opportunities for him hopefully if um he can bring enough dollars but i think it's nice and now and their whole organization's championship to lose yeah it is and and the points even got a little bit more Interesting, and and after Pocono, Ankrum being in for his win. Austin Hill also is in Frisian right now. Uh, They're saying on NASCAR.com he's in, but he had a really tough day there at Pocono Raceway. Um, You know, lap one, Phillip, he didn't even get to to really even complete a lap. He didn't come around for the start-finish line, got in a wreck with Austin Hill and Anthony Alfredo. Friesen's a guy who's right now looking like he's going to have to win to get himself into the playoffs. Uh, you know, he's decent. He's got a decent amount of points, but he's in he's in some trouble there where um, he's going to basically, if he has a couple of bad weeks, points-wise he can get him. He's in he's in the playoffs, but he's really got to um, to figure it out because Harrison Burton's only 13 points back, and, and this weekend is, is at Eldora for these truck series. That is where Stuart Friesen really shines. He's a, a, a driver who is up in the Northeast, and you know this. He's tremendous up here. He's a, a tr- an outstanding, outstanding dirt racer. This is his race to win, and I think he has to win it to really give him some breathing room for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, uh, I mean, first of all, to Ross, I love the the Gallagher smashing watermelon stuff and his energy and passion. I, I, I never knew what kind of guy he was until about a year ago. And then he got into a really good race car and now we get to see what he's about. And I think it'd be a shame if he isn't in better equipment, you know, continuing in this kind of equipment in the next year in terms of Stewie as a uh, cue ball likes to call him on the TV telecast, the onion, uh, Stewie doesn't seem to perform very well under pressure in a truck the same way as he does in a dirt uh, modified. Uh, he's a great dirt modified driver. I won't take that away from him. 
but he's going to have to win on Thursday because uh, if he doesn't win on Thursday, I have the feeling that he's possibly going to be looking outside of this playoffs. Uh, and they've had some real choke jobs this year, that 52 team. And Harrison Burton has been consistent this year. For as bad as Kyle Busch Motorsports has been outside of their owner, uh, they the reality is I think Harrison Burton will win at Michigan uh, or Thor Sport Truck is going to win at Michigan or whatever. Somebody's going to win, and it's going to knock somebody out, and that somebody is going to be Stewie unless he goes and wins on in a couple of days from now, and then all of a sudden it doesn't matter. But I guess we'll find out. I, we, it's going to be an interesting thing to see here in a couple of days. Yeah, outdoors is always a fun, fun race. Uh, and we'll get to that tomorrow. We'll preview all the all the races for this weekend as well. And any other news that really comes up, maybe we'll do a little bit of something special here tomorrow as well since they're back-to-back nights with shows. But I want to thank everybody for listening and talking in circles tonight. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook. Like us on Twitter. And we'll see you next time we're talking in circles. Good night, everybody.